Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Through Nick and Thin. podcast where we watch every Nicolas Cage movie in chronological order so that you don't have to. I'm your host, my name is Steve. Joining me as always is the incomparable co-host with the incomparable the most mo-host. <laughs> <laughs> Hannah, Hannah, how are you doing this week? You know what, this morning I was a little worried. Yeah, why is that? Because my parents came over today. Mm-hmm. And that was after we watched this movie. Oh, what a segue. Thanks. I mean, we weren't talking about something different, I guess. So it's not technically a segue, but I love what you did there. Thank you. We watched a movie called Mom and Dad. IMDb clocks this one coming in at 2017, but I believe... Released in 2018. In the US. In the US, yeah. It was released in 2017 in like the UK or something. So that's the date that we go by is the international release. Whenever it was first released to the world, that's when we go by. And it is, in short... Nicolas Cage plays the one of the titular character's dad. Not mom. Not mom, unfortunately. Would have been interesting. It would have been. Um, no, and so going into this, and if you watch the trailer, it makes it seem like it's a zombie movie. And so I think I'll leave it at that in the sense, that, and, I, and I guess I should say, the trailer makes it seem as though that the kids have to run away from mom and dad who have turned into zombies. Mm-hmm. And it's something similar to that, but I won't give it away just yet. So we'll we'll break down a little bit uh, behind the scenes information, that kind of thing. Hannah's going to go over that. Then we'll go through the movie Nick Cage scene by Nick Cage scene. In Sounds case you're good. a first time listener. Welcome. Welcome. Hi. Hope you stick around. <laughs> so as I just mere moments ago alluded to, Hannah's going to kick us off with some behind the scenes info, some numbers, some facts and figures. What do you got for us on Mom and Dad 2017? I was writing very furiously here because I had a lot to say and not a lot of page. So some of my (laughs) handwriting is a little bit chicken scratchy. So Mm -hmm. if I take a minute (laughs) to try and decipher what it is that I actually had to say, then bear with me. Yeah. But I, the numbers are quite visible. Oh, Uh, good. Steve and I discussed the other day that, that we write numbers very differently. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, not that differently. You cross your sevens and I do not. And our eights are different. I guess. You don't you don't snowman though. I don't, I don't snowman. Think... And I also sometimes make the two with the squiggle and then sometimes I just make it straight. That is absolutely reckless. <laughs> that is <laughs> I'm sorry that there's chaotic no chaotic like, evil. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm sorry, there's so much chaos to my twos. In the alignment chart of how you draw your twos, drawing either both of the twos either way at random. Yeah. Is chaotic evil. I just let my hand do what it pleases. That's, that's crazy. What she said. That is <laughs> there's there the pieces are there for a great that's what she said joke. Oh goodness. I well, was gonna numbers, say something before, but now I'm the so The numbers blown are away. clear to me and soon they will be clear to you because I'm about to tell you about them. <laughs> there's a two involved somewhere. Yeah, twenty seventeen. Oh, this okay. movie came out in 2017. <laughs> uh, just some behind-the-scenes information. That, too, was written uh, without the squiggle. <laughs> <laughs> a little peek behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. How the sausage is made here at Through Nick and Thin. <laughs> God. Um, a 5.5 out of 10 on IMDb and a 75% on Rotten Tomatoes. Those are two pretty disparate numbers. Not desperate, but mm-hmm. disparate, as in Agreed. they're far away. 
usually IMDb overestimates a movie yeah. and Rotten Tomatoes underestimates a movie. I think Rotten Tomatoes got this one pretty good at a I 75. Think so too. I, I would clock this in at a 75. Yeah, but I, I think if it had a better ending, it would have been higher. Yeah. And we'll talk about that. And we'll that. talk about that ending, of course, when we go through the Nick Cage scenes. Correct. But yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think a 5.5 on IMDb, which is a large amount of aggregators of, of raters and audience scores and things. I'm surprised it's that low because we had so much fun with this movie. Yeah. So I, what I was about to say is for the budget and the box office, mm. there were some disputed numbers that I found. Okay. I, every source I found something different, mm-hmm. but um, I'm going to share the most favorable ones because I liked this movie. Okay. <laughs> so I'll be a little bit biased here. Mm. Um, budget being seven million, box office being seven million. So we're gonna just say that this movie broke even. Fair enough. Fair enough. I feel like sometimes it said the budget was four million, and then sometimes it said that the box office was one hundred ninety-two thousand dollars. Whoa! So I'd like to think, you know, we'll we'll estimate on the high end for the budget, but then we'll just break it even with with that box office, uh, you know. Yeah. Gain. Yeah, I feel like. I remember some advertisement for this movie, but it was only advertisement on Hulu or wherever we watched it. Yeah. And so what I think might might have happened, might Inter- have happened. International release and then straight to streaming in the US. That's what I think, yeah. Very well could be. So it's less about the box office and more about number of minutes watched is usually how they rate that sort of thing. And oh, it's, gotcha. It's really hard to tell if... If, you know, 100 minutes are watched, did 100 people watch the first minute of the movie and turn it off? Right. Or did one person watch it all the way through kind of thing? Right. Especially because the 90% of Netflix's users use the same three accounts. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So very difficult to tell. Yeah. Yeah. The entire Eastern Seaboard of the US uses my mom's Netflix account. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think more accurately, it's always like, it's my roommate's ex-girlfriend's Netflix account or something like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, We used to use something like that. (laughs) One of my roommates, like their ex's parents account was our, (laughs) our Netflix account for a while. Nice. All right. Let's get into some behind the scenes. So the director is a man named Brian Taylor. He might seem familiar to you. Not off the top of my head. He directed a little a little film, a little flick uh-huh. called Ghost Rider 2 Spirit of Vengeance. What an absolute step up for him. <laughs> this is the that movie came out in 2011, and then this in 2017 was the next thing that he made. So wow. he took a nice six year break. <laughs> or he spent six years making this movie, crafting well, it into the perfect movie. He, even though he did perfect. take a long time to to put this concept together. I, I watched <laughs> I watched an interview with him and Nick and Selma Blair and then the girl who plays the daughter. Mm-hmm. Actually, can you look up how old she was? Because in the interview she looked very old she looked like she, she looked she way was, too old yeah. to be in high school in the movie but she looked like in her 30s when i saw this this um interview she was born in 94 so, so she's 16 plus 17 now. yeah so 27 now that was four years ago so she was in her early to mid 20s wow when filming <laughs> which they always do that kind of thing when <laughs> when trying to film and, and cast high school students yeah she certainly did not look of age yeah so i guess we should also mention right off the top too oh, yeah. right off the There's bat two too kids. So, so yeah nicholas cage of course plays dad selma, play, selma blair plays mom mm-hmm. 
And uh, then there's two kids. There's a teen, a quote unquote teenage daughter mm-hmm. <laughs> played by Ann Winters, who's uh, she's supposed to be in high school. I think a junior or something like that. They say sophomore, sophomore, and she's 23. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, Naturally, uh, yeah. And then there's like a, a young a, son a young who's boy. also like way too old to be not in school. Yeah, that was really weird. So <laughs> like a lot of the course of the events that happens in this movie is like a lot happens while Ann Winters is at school. And the kid is just home, even though he's clearly like nine. Yeah, he's like, way too old to be not be in, in elementary grade. school. Very strange. I didn't know. I didn't understand how old they like were projecting him to be. Yeah, and I recognize. I feel like I recognize the kid, but I honestly, I looked him up and I couldn't tell you what he, what else he was from. He no. might be related to somebody. His name's Zachary Arthur. If anybody knows, I would be really curious. Oh, maybe he's listening. Hey Zach, hey, Zach if you're listening, love love your work. Yeah, I don't know. It says he's known as he played Chloe Grace Moretz's brother in a movie called The Fifth Wave, and that's his best known thing. I have no idea. Anyway, we're here to talk about Nicolas Cage. We're here to talk about Nick Cage. We're here to talk about Brian Taylor, the director, who I watched in an interview. Um, And in this interview, he said that Nicolas Cage. uh, Oh, well, sorry. He said that. Um, for whatever reason, this cut of the interview that I watched started with him talking about Superman. I don't know how they got into this conversation. But he said the true Superman are Christopher Reeve, the original Superman, and Nicolas Cage, even though he hasn't (laughs) actually made a Superman movie. No, he did like screen tests, and that was about it. Um, Brian said directing Nick is like directing the weather. You can't change it. You can only wear the right clothes and hope that they don't get destroyed. (laughs) (laughs) What, What... What an amazing analogy. I know. Wait, okay, hold on. Run that by me again. Directing Nick is like directing the weather. Uh-huh. You can't change it. You can only wear the right clothes and hope that they don't get destroyed. A lot does get destroyed throughout the course of this movie. And I have a lot to talk about that, <laughs> okay, too. Okay, great. <laughs> um, Selma Blair is in this movie. If you don't mm-hmm. know who she is by name, um, I know her from Legally Blonde. She plays Vivian Kensington, the... Mm arch nemesis of Elle Woods. Mm. She plays mom. And I watched another interview with just her talking about Nick Cage. And there's a pool table scene, which we will get into. Oh, is there ever? (laughs) And she said that watching Nick in the in the pool table scene performing really jarred her. She said that he is such a force. She said that it really helped her get into the scene that she was really moved by his performance he really goes there. He has so much energy and focus. It can often be a little bit terrifying. That's what she said. I actually... <laughs> okay, so very briefly, because we'll break it down in great detail later, because it's uh-huh. a great scene. Uh-huh. But he plays this, of course, father who feels as though he lost his youth. So as a midlife crisis, he builds himself from scratch a pool table. And I will say Nick doesn't get a ton of screen time in this. Yeah. So any exposition of his character happens very quickly. Mm-hmm. And so... Some I feel of... like it's kind of forced on the audience oh, as I, well. I didn't really feel that. I, f- I felt like every time he was on screen was an opportunity to be like, I'm crazy. <laughs> Yeah. What else are you going to do when you have Nicholas? No, that's what I mean. That's what the director said. He's like the weather. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, so when he's building the pool table, Selma Blair comes in and is like, what are you doing? We shouldn't be spending our money and time on this. We should be spending it elsewhere on the house. And he freaks out and destroys this this thing that he spent so much time working on. 
So when he destroys it, apparently that terrified the shit out of Selma Blair is what you're saying. Oh, yeah, it did. Great. (laughs) Quite a bit. Quite a bit. She said um, it was really terrifying, but she's a seasoned actor and she was able to deal with it. But, you know, she can understand how some others may not. (laughs) (laughs) There, you told me when we were watching the movie, you said there are aspects of that scene that are improvised. Yeah, I'll wait until Until we get get to to it it because I don't want to spoil anything. So now we'll get to Nick here. Um, In that interview that I saw with, uh, the director and Nick and Selma Blair and then the daughter. I just want to say what Nick was wearing in this interview because oh. it's definitely something that we should talk about. Okay. Um, he had a cowboy hat on with sunglasses what? and four gold rings on the only hand that you could see. He kept raising his hand up so that wow. you could see the four gold rings. Okay, four gold rings, one on each of the main fingers? Or mm, He had two on... <laughs> hold on. Oh, it's... <laughs> You have to see what he looks like. Hold on a second. Okay. Oh, that is a great screenshot. It's almost like he's saying, shh, but let me, let me see the rings again. Okay, wait. They're not all gold. They're all different jewels, though. Here, take a look. It's a he's, look. It is a look if he, I've ever seen one. He's like a cowboy Thanos. He's got, <laughs> he's got several different colored rings on his hand. Snap his fingers and make... The weather ha- happen. <laughs> God. That's that's a look. So I know that I don't know if it was around this time. It might have been a couple of years later, and we'll get to the movie throughout the course of this podcast, obviously. But he made a movie called Primal, where he had this big bushy beard and wore those cowboy hats. So mm-hmm. I don't know if maybe he was filming that movie around the time. I mean, he's not that method. But yeah, that's true. He wouldn't have to wear the hat. No. <laughs> I think that's just what he lo- like. That's just what he looks like in yeah. his day to day. In his day to yeah, that's true. We have seen pictures of him just yeah, walking down just the street. He walks around with like Top weird hats. like leather and shit on yeah. all the time. Walking canes. <laughs> oh my god! Alligator shoes and shit. Yeah, that's his style. All right, fair enough. <laughs> so fly, so fresh. He's a kooky guy. He really is. Who knows? Maybe he's ahead of his time. Maybe we'll all be dressing like that in like 10 it, years. You know, that might be the future of fashion. Yeah. Who knows? I, I for one, would love to see you start dressing like that. I don't I, know if I can personally <laughs> pull it off. I don't know if I have, you know, like the drive for yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. No, I can't grow a beard well enough. I feel like the beard is crucial. You can grow one better than I can. So well, you're, that's you're well on your way. <laughs> Goodness gracious, where were we? So in this interview, Nick Cage said that Brian Taylor, the director, really knows how to let me loose. Um, he knows how to bring me back to earth. And he knows when I'm in control and he knows when I'm out of control. I am his vision, <laughs> is what he said. <laughs> that doesn't make Just, any sense. No, it, it means nothing. Because Brian is saying essentially the opposite. He's saying, I have no control over this yeah. guy. He's the weather. You cannot control him. All you can do is just like dress appropriately and hope for the best. And he's like, and Brian Nick's like, is my master. Yeah, Nick's like, I do whatever he says. That's crazy. He knows when I'm in control. He knows when I'm out of control. He really, bre- he reels me back in. It's so. And Brian's like, I have no control over him. Yeah. It's so weird <laughs> that you can go from a movie like, you know, a, a Peggy Sue where apparently he was a nightmare on set. And then you go to a movie like face off where we've seen behind the scenes footage 
and he's doing this intense acting scene and at the end he's like hey is everybody okay like yep. just want to make sure everybody's calm and chill i i think it depends on the director like yeah i agree wasn't that his uncle in peggy sue his uncle fired him <laughs> or almost fired him a couple times yeah i think it was and so maybe like he just didn't want to he let him do whatever he wanted but then he was also like all right chill yeah <laughs> maybe that's it because maybe he respects the process so much of mm-hmm. like the movie making oh, yeah. craft and process oh, so that yeah. he'll always respect the director but whenever a director says hey man listen your academy award winner nicholas cage you do whatever you want he give him an inch and he'll take a mile yep. that's what i'm feeling absolutely that's part of like the nouveau shamanicism if you don't know that's nicholas cage's <laughs> own acting style yes and every podcast at the end of the podcast we rank what was the most nouveau shamanic moment and i think that the one in this is pretty clear and i'm very much looking forward to getting to it but before we do i have a few more things to say about nick cage and then i'll let steve get into the plot so nick has said that this is his favorite movie that he's filmed in the last 10 years from the time of this interview okay and honestly I think it might be my favorite of his movies in the past 10 years. Mm, Drive Angry was good. And Joe was really good. Oh, was Joe within the past 10 yeah. years? Yeah. Okay, never mind. And I'm surprised that he, maybe he forgot that he made Joe. <laughs> I mean, because he, at that time, he was like, this is, this is it. This yeah. is my favorite thing that I've ever made. Yeah. He's um, probably like, oh, who was that guy in that movie, Joe? That movie's so good. Oh my God. Who played Joe and Joe? It's so, oh Alexa, God. who played Joe and Joe? <laughs> It's so good. Oh my god. <laughs> it was he's Nicholas made, Kim Coppola Cage. He's made so many movies he doesn't even remember who, oh my god. which ones he was in. It was me. Now he's this is now he's the Gersperms girl. Gosh. Um Nick really wants a sequel to this movie, and so do we, because yeah. the ending is quite ambiguous. Yeah. Um he said in twenty twenty that he thinks that the follow up should feature the kids turning on the parents. I I think that makes sense. Absolutely. And then the last thing I'll leave you with is also a little of a little bit of an ambiguous ending for okay. me oh. before we get into the plot. Um, Nick has a certain disdain for a particular children's song that he used <laughs> as his inspiration for one of our favorite scenes in this movie. And we'll get into that when we get into it. That's a little tease for something to come. <laughs> if I were a better podcaster, I'd put like time codes in the in the description so that you could jump to it. But I'm not. So you're no just going to have to way. listen. You're going to have to just listen to this whole thing. <laughs> I'm not been, letting you skip around. <laughs> I have, cheat. I have been thinking like, because I'm sure for some people who have seen these movies, they don't need to listen to us recap The play-by-play? Play? Yeah. But we're so entertaining and, like, adorable. <laughs> Why would they not want to? <laughs> we're charm type. Um, <laughs> that's a on the office, office reference. reference. Cool. Well, so you put your notes away, so it seems like we're going to get into the Nick yeah, like, Cage like plot. Like I said, I'm leaving you with that ambiguous ending. Fantastic. So the movie opens up. In such a weird and interesting way because it seems almost very old school. It's quick pictures over sepia tones of Nicolas Cage and Selma Blair and the kids like on vacation. And it's like this weird opening montage that's almost like 
like the cover of Grand Theft Auto or mm-hmm, something, mm-hmm. you know, like where it's got these pains in, but in the screen. But I will say the second that I found out that Brian Taylor directed Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance, it kind of made sense to me why like some of the music choices were the way that they were and then mm-hmm. why some of like the filming style was the way that it was because he also tried some of that in Ghost Rider, but, yeah. but like he didn't execute it, I guess, as frequently in Ghost Rider, but you could tell that, you know, the, the, those six years ago that he made Ghost Rider, mm-hmm. he was starting to think about, you know, what is what is my style as a director? Is it making really bad animations with voiceovers that make no sense and call Jerry that Springer wasn't the devil? Movie. That wasn't in this movie. No, it wasn't in this movie. But you remember when he called yeah, Jerry Springer the devil? Yeah, I remember that part. I remember that. It was weird, right? It was really weird, but so is this. This so is weird. Maybe that's it. Maybe he just is a weird guy. <laughs> There were there were no jab there were no clear jabs at Jerry Springer this time around, unfortunately. <laughs> Not that I dislike Jerry Does he Springer. Have any children? Who Jerry Springer? Mm-hmm. Uh, probably, I don't know. That would be the only way to shoehorn shoehorn him into this. <laughs> he has one child. Still, <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. That's not really particularly interesting. No, we're relevant. <laughs> People stick around capacity. because we're hilarious and charming. And adorable. We haven't even gotten into the uh, movie Oh, we're yet. adorable. That's really it. People are hitting that fast forward 30 seconds button. <laughs> Just get to the awards. Nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I thought it was a really interesting opening to this movie. Yeah, I thought so too. And something Hannah just mentioned was the music was really... Almost loud and distracting at times, I thought. And as also, well. jo- genre wise, all over the place. For sure. There were like moments of sort of heavy rap music, heavy like orchestra kind of music, and like heavy metal. Heavy metal. I wonder yeah. if there was any Weston Coppola probably. classics in uh, there. We didn't watch the credits all the way through. No. <laughs> probably. So the first real scene that we see Nicolas Cage, it actually sets up the fl- the family. As I mentioned earlier, there's mom and dad and the two kids, and there's a housekeeper and a housekeeper's daughter who mm-hmm. helps out around the house as well. Presumably, neither the young boy or the housekeeper's daughter have to go to school because... They seemed very much of school age. Or mom and dad start their days, and the high schooler starts her day like hours before the child does but that doesn't make sense i don't know no did they mention offhand do you recall like oh the kid's off today no so strange anyway so it's the morning before school they're having breakfast there's this back and forth between nicholas cage and his daughter she doesn't want him to go on a date with some boy for some reason he does at one point she doesn't want him he, he doesn't, doesn't want, want her. her. My bad. He doesn't want her to go on a date with some boy for some reason. He does the thing where he closes his ears and goes, la, 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 yeah. la, la, la. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a good moment. He tickles his son at one point, and it plays almost that, like that horror music sound as he's yeah. tickling his son. And that's the kind of stuff that they do to, to maybe just to get your heart pumping in the beginning of this movie. Right, because um, you presumably are going in knowing that this is a horror movie. A horror type, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So as he's leaving for work, he has a quick little fantasy about when he was young and doing donuts in a Trans Am with a naked woman in his lap. And he's just like, ah, the good old days. Apparently that scene is from something else that Brian Taylor has directed. Oh, it's like from a different Happy. movie? 
Oh. It's like a TV series or something. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Brian Taylor's done like four things. It's Happy, <laughs> this movie, Mom and Dad, Ghost Rider, and then something else. If he keeps that up, he'll become the darling of Hugh Hefner and the Playboy Mansion oh if he's lucky. <laughs> I don't remember that guy's name. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> so, the, all right, quick side note. The director of last week's movie directed like two movies and for some reason, he was like... He's like <laughs> friends with the Kardashians. He's like this figurehead. In terms of pop culture, he's like everywhere, but he's done nothing and we can't figure it out. I don't understand. So anyway, so the next time that we see Nicolas Cage is actually actually in this weird flashback where he's clearly getting home from golf. He's all dressed up as golf and he opens up his Trans Am, which is still like he ta- he's been taking care of it. And there's a box with like a dead animal in it that the boy put in. But the audience never sees what's in the box. We don't know what the animal is. Like the boy, they show the boy rescuing, I guess, this dead animal from not vultures, but like crows or something. And he decides to put the dead animal in a box and put the dead animals that the put the box in the car. Yeah. And so Nick Cage freaks out and screams his son's name, Joshua. And then that's pretty much it from that scene. We learn a little bit more later, but. It was sort of a weird moment. And again, at this point, we're still thinking it's a zombie movie. And we're like, oh, maybe the kid saw that the animal was still alive. And there's like an animal zombie thing going on. And that's why he was trying to protect it or something or study it. Or maybe it's like a child's wish can bring people back to life or something. We didn't know. We have no no idea. idea. Next time we see Nicolas, Nicolas Cage, he is sleeping at his desk at work. He fell asleep whilst watching porn, it seems, at work. Yep. And so this really is works hard yeah, for the money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so this is where we get into the main plot of the movie. So I believe his screen, I forget if it actually happened or if it's just implied later, but his screen turns to static. And across the country, all all television screens and monitors of all kind turn to static. Like the snowstorm, you right. know. <laughs> yeah, to like a black and white static. Yeah, right. Exactly. And so what that does... Like you have the wrong input on your TV. Yeah, exactly. Does that still even happen anymore? It's all HDMI ports. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So what that does is it it changes the signal in a parent's brain to be from protect my child at all costs to kill my child at all costs. And so now... Because youth is wasted on the youth. Is that what they're getting at? I think so. I don't know. I... I don't think so. I think the last line of the movie actually implies a lot about what this movie's supposed to be about, but we'll get to that later. Yeah, I, I know. But <laughs> Hannah just like rolled her eyes at me. <laughs> she like darted back and forth, like her eyes across the room, like, what the fuck is this idiot talking about? I've got a theory. Don't worry about it. I just don't remember what the last line was. Oh, I wrote so. it down, so All I'll right, tell you. We'll yeah. hear it. So anyhow... We're, this movie, I think, like Hannah said earlier as well, is more so Selma Blair's movie. It's not really yeah. Nicolas Cage's movie. Yeah. So we see mostly her and her friends and her sister at one point as well, mm-hmm. just at all costs attacking only their own children. They're not attacking other people's children. Everything else is normal to them except that they have this unrelenting drive to murder their own children. Yeah, so Nick isn't in the scene, but I think it's just something interesting to mention because this is something that I found when I was doing my research. So this director, (laughs) when he was coming up with this concept, he really Mm -hmm. wanted infanticide to be a a part of the movie Mm. for because he, you know, 
figured what's more horrifying than a killing mother a killing her own baby. Um, so that made the first draft of the script. Yikes. And apparently in a very, very, very disturbing way. And then he had to tone it down. And it turns out that Selma Blair's sister is pregnant. And then like there's... Yeah, her character um, is pregnant. And throughout like the beginning of the movie, they keep talking about how like she's she's going to pop any day. And Selma Blair gets the call. She runs to the hospital. Um, You know, her sister gives birth. Everything seems fine. And then the TV screen in her hospital room goes to static and then you see like the light switch in her eyes from I must protect my child to I must kill my child Mm -hmm. and she tries to kill the baby there's a scalpel involved and then uh, thankfully the baby is saved everything is fine Mm -hmm. but I don't know what Brian Taylor had in mind because he even said in the interview it's too inappropriate to talk about yeah so yeah i could see (laughs) i could see an artsy type going a little far with a scene like that and that's Uh and that's where you need like the producers and the studios and the production yeah exactly to be like let's calm that down (laughs) yes a little bit here this still needs to be consumed by the public yes and so speaking of pulling people back in <laughs> we get to our next nicholas cage scene oh my where he it's a flashback no he first uh, drives home mm. to discover that his kids are not home he's looking for his kids everywhere of course because he's going a little crazy but the daughter's boyfriend is there oh yes and so he confronts the daughter's boyfriend what are you doing here and he's like i'm just here to to protect your daughter whatever and then he go, he gives right. him one of the i'm just here to protect your daughter <laughs> he does the <laughs> mocking voice he also, also i think you mentioned this but uh, i it's important to note that this whatever like bug that all yeah. these parents have only works for their own kids yes they don't have any desire to kill another person's child or right. like a grandchild or anything like that only like those that they bore themselves they bore themselves <laughs> uh yes <laughs> so i don't know how to tell you in a clever way to connect what happens next because he also screams mouth dildo ass several times in a row <laughs> and that's all i wrote down and i forget the context entirely Mr. Ryan, we, we need to talk sir oh do we need to talk and i think about how things were in my day Mr. Ryan. but now the world you kids are living in. The things you've seen on the internet. Mouth to dildo, dildo to ass, ass to ass. Hi, Brent. Anal beads. Things I only saw in magazines. So now I guess his filter is gone. And so what he thinks 17-year-old boys think about is... is mouth dildo, dildo ass. <laughs> in that order. <laughs> like I said, we're a little fuzzy on the details of that scene, but I think that sounds right. Yeah, I, I've, I blacked that one out, but... I'm glad that you brought me back to it because (laughs) I remember it brought me a lot of joy in the moment. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) And speaking of blacking out, see, I can connect this one. Oh, thanks. Nicolas Cage then turns around and sees his son and starts chasing after his son and his daughter, slips on one of his toys, Mm -hmm. and then we flash back to the now infamous pool table scene. Oh, my goodness. And I think I laid it out earlier about essentially what happens in this scene. 
I am going to play a ton of screams for you later because yep. as he's destroying the pool table, you can imagine he is screaming his bloody head off. Yeah, and- so he, I guess, I don't know, his whole his whole deal is that like his character used to be really cool when he was younger and now he works like this mediocre job and lives like this mediocre life with a mediocre family yeah it's a midlife crisis yeah exactly so you know he still has his t-bird which he takes care of or whatever car it is whatever same thing (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if it is i did probably not at all the same (laughs) i don't know um so he buys himself a pool table to build so mm-hmm. he's building into the basement and then selma blair comes down to the basement and she's like what you didn't discuss this with me so we're having a pool table like do you really need a man cave isn't the whole house like yours and he's like no like the rest of the house is for f- the family like i don't i need my own space or whatever mm-hmm. and then she's like oh are we not good enough for you and then he um goes he goes a little nuts and here you go oh yeah you put your right foot in you take your right foot out you do the hokey pokey and you fucking work it all out bright future everything in the world to look forward to i mean i was gonna grab the world by the balls and squeeze boy god damn it i remember that kid i used to be like was four fucking minutes ago my feet fairly touched the ground back then my kill ratio was 9 out of 10. It was 100% sex. Flat on his ass. Fat, bald, cottage cheese, fucking ass. Blue bonnet, butter, waistline with hair coming out of my ears, my nose. Okay. So, to my knowledge, I don't believe that much of that scene was scripted. Gotcha. I believe that the director said, this is your inspiration for the scene. Mm. Um, Do what you will. And Nick, <laughs> heard that and said inspiration well when i was a kid i really hated the hokey pokey the hokey pokey was a bunch of hocus pocus to me wow a bunch of he didn't didn't say oh wow (laughs) i was gonna say that's really lame if he said that oh no that that, i'm just lame (laughs) i really hate the hokey pokey it makes me feel some type of way so that's gonna be my inspiration so i'm going to improv singing the hokey pokey while i have a, a nervous breakdown it makes no fucking sense he didn't he could have like i feel like he could have i know that you know you're in the moment and you might not think like hindsight's twenty twenty. but i feel like he could have very easily tied the hokey pokey in because like he's because he's ranting about his wife telling him what to do essentially mm-hmm. so if he doesn't want to be told what to do i don't want to be told to put my left hand in and put my left hand. like you he put your left hand in <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'll be proved wrong by the clip I just inserted. Maybe he does tie it together, but I feel like it really came out of nowhere. It really did. But we were <laughs> expecting it too, so maybe we were maybe we weren't as intently listening to the build up to it because we knew that this was coming because we'd seen it in Did you not know that was coming? No. I had no idea oh. he was going to start yelling the hokey pokey. I've seen that in a trailer. Oh, no. And also, I knew it because last week I read an article that said that he ad libbed, improved the hokey pokey for well, this. Thank you for not spoiling because I, I, I was delightfully I know. surprised. I know, I know. <laughs> Anything for you. Thank Steve. you. Thank you. Ooh, so nice. My heart is so warm. So that's an amazing scene. We'll probably talk about that again at the end of our so podcast episode. I haven't here. seen him act like that in a long time. That was really, that was really great. That was what I needed. So the next series of scenes that we see Nicolas Cage in is really just him 
and Selma Blair. Selma Blair comes home as well. And now they're both after the children. The children have locked themselves in the basement. Mm -hmm. And so Nicolas Cage, seeing that they're locked in the basement, yells at them once again. And of course the kids don't open the door. He curses a lot of his kids. And well, I mean, you know, he's not trying to protect them anymore. So no, of it's course. yeah, yeah. So then okay, I think we should talk about this now because Selma Blair goes into the garage and has, says, I have an idea. I'll get the sawzall. <laughs> it's sawzall. It's a sawzall. That means it's saws all. And they repeat this slogan of the sawzall, which is a recipro- a brand of reciprocating saw, which, meaning that like it's a blade that that automatically juts in and out almost like a jackhammer, and it's yeah. handheld. So yep. I've used it several times in in various projects. It saws all. It's a sawzall. That means it saws all. <laughs> and they say that like three times. It's just kind of I fun. Maybe, maybe. Sawzall sponsored this this movie. I kind of think they did somehow. I don't know why or how, but it's really. Funny. I would not want my brand associated with this. But it's almost like I don't know. I'm trying to think of another comparison with a movie where they they the over- Apache helicopter. Oh my god! Yeah, where they From overuse. Fireman. Well, that was a little bit more blatant. Than this. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But I'm trying to think of like another movie that's more famous in pop culture like where they keep shoehorning in an, a popular ad slogan i don't know anyway so then we find out later as the mother is trying to sawzall her way through the door that <laughs> dad nicholas cage at some point in his midlife crisis bought himself a handgun and locked it in a case under the bed and used his son's birthday as the code. So the son found the gun and shoots Selma Blair through the door, hits her in the arm. And so as we find out that she gets shot, Nicolas Cage, of course, again, screams all of his curse words. (laughs) All of them. Now their new idea, because the saw is not working through the door, is to... I guess it doesn't really saw It doesn't really saw all. (laughs) So their next goal is now to basically smoke them them out. out. Yeah. Yeah. So they seal up the windows and the doors and they hook up a hose to a gas line and stick it in there. And they say, we're just going to wait until we hear the kids coughing. And then we know we can go in because they're going to be on their last leg there, essentially. (laughs) It's so dark. Yeah. Yeah. And so... I don't really know exactly how the kids escaped, but the kids escape somehow. You know. They go through the they air conditioner. Up. Oh, do they ducts. go through the air conditioner? I, I kind of missed the duct. that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. That makes more sense. I actually like that. That makes sense. Yeah, but it appears that they're in the basement and it appears that the air conditioner duct, like the orientation that they're climbing in doesn't make sense for them to be coming out of the basement. Yeah. Like, they should be climbing straight up, which would be impossible to do mm-hmm. unless they were, like, spider monkeying it. And they're mm-hmm. not. They're crawling. They're crawling, crawling like it's, like, a flat, mm-hmm. horizontal surface. Or maybe they're just defying gravity. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. 
you know, parents. It just, I'm suspension disbelief. Yeah. It, I mean, this whole movie is. So. Yeah, exactly. When the parents are turning on their kids because of a staticky TV, yeah. I'm like, all right, fine. They're in all the bets attic are now. Off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, all right, fine. And so Nick Cage, again, does the whole saws all. That means it saws all. But. <laughs> He, he says that because now he takes a crack at the saw because now he thinks that the kids are, if they're not dead, they're down. So he saws through the door and opens up the door, but the kids have booby-trapped the door so that when they open the door, the, a, a match strikes yeah. and the entire basement blows <laughs> up in Nick's face. Nick gets blown to hell and wakes. He A lot happens. There's a lot of chasing amongst the kids and, and, the, and Selma Blair and... And there's a lot of fallout. And Nick wakes up. They've got the kids cornered. And what happens? But the doorbell rings. And Selma <laughs> Blair turns to Nick Cage and says, Shit. <laughs> oh, that's right. We're having your parents over for dinner tonight. <laughs> and so... And Steve and I look at each other. We're like, his parents. Oh, oh shit. <laughs> and let me see. I forget who, who played... Oh, that's what's his name? Famous well, actor. Yeah, Lance Henriksen plays uh, Nick Cage's dad who is, oh, he's a famous actor. He's in a lot of old uh, uh, action movies. He's in the Aliens movies in Hard Target with Cla- uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme. So mm-hmm. he, he's like an old-time action star. But yeah, he's amazing. <laughs> so the the grandparents come in. The grandparents are so good. The, Nick Cage is chasing the youngest son, and the grandfather's chasing Nick Cage. He gets his hand on a knife or something. Yeah, because don't, like, don't forget, even though Nick Cage isn't a child, he's still the, grand, oh, yeah. the child of the grandparents. So oh, yeah. this doesn't expire when you turn 18. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So... I don't know exactly what leads to this, but there is another quick flashback here as they're having this Benny Hill style chase uh, between Nick Cage and and the grandfather and the kid. But it flashes back to the kid and Nick Cage eating popsicles. And this is like a resolution of the scene with the car earlier, the the flashback with the car. And Nick Cage explains that. When I was young, I was doing donuts with a naked woman on my lap, and I ruined the car that was my father's car, and I had to spend years fixing it. And so that's why I still hold on to it is because I, I put so much effort into this car, fixing the car, because, you know, my father wasn't going to let me get away with that. And he's like, you know, I guess like father, like son, you also ruined the car by putting a dead animal in there. And then They Nick, really didn't explain that well. And then Nick Cage turns to his son and says, if you ever touch that car again, I'll fucking kill you. Like, in all seriousness. Uh-huh. And then it just flashes back, and now we're back to normal time. Where he's actually trying to kill his son. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's part of it. I don't know. Like, Is that not... the line that you were going to say? Sort of. So, okay. so Nick Cage is just barking and whooping at the, at the kid as he's <laughs> trying to chase the kid. He's just, rawr, rawr, rawr. he's grunting, he's, he's grunting like crazy. I'm just like hunting their children. Yeah, and the grandpa stabs Nick Cage a million <laughs> times, mostly in the legs, so Nick Cage is fine. But Nick Cage gets in the car, and now he's trying to run his kid over in the car. Mm-hmm. But he instead, there's some really brutal deaths. He <laughs> runs over both of his parents in the Trans Am. What I forget which one of the parents, but they go flying like head first into the pavement and the stuff. Dad did. Yeah, it's it's really like gruesome. <laughs> it's really graphic. Yeah. And so I think something along those lines, maybe it was the car accident, it knocks out both Selma Blair and Nick Cage. So the kids decide to tie up Selma Blair and Nick Cage. They tie the them basement. up in the basement. They're zip-tied in the basement. 
and Nick is just grunting and they're like, oh, it's okay. Well, we're fine now. It's okay now. You can let us go. And they're like, we don't trust you. And Nick is, like, Nick is like, oh my God, get me out of this basement. And then he says, or maybe Selma Blair says, I forget. But one of them says, we love you, but sometimes we just want to. And then boom, cut to credits. And the movie's over. I mean, kill you. Yeah. is So that's what I think this movie is about. Is it's about taking uh, an extremist approach and, and and a tongue-in-cheek approach to I love my kids, but sometimes I want to kill them. And that even Yikes. carries through into the adulthood. Of course, sometimes, of course, across the world, there are probably grandparents who feel like their kids aren't doing a great job raising their grandkids and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just those little arguments you get in yeah. that makes you feel like, I love you, but I feel like sometimes I want to kill you. <laughs> Is that an idiom? Yeah. Yeah. It's like an idiom. Yeah. And so I think, like I said, it's like a tongue in cheek. It's like taking something like that and turning it into maybe a, an a real, interesting like, yeah. movie that nobody's ever seen before. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody's like ever seen this kind of movie. taking it literally. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, like I said, I thought it was a zombie movie, but it's almost like taking the zombie genre and turning it on, on its head a little bit. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, it's super unique. Like I've certainly never heard of or seen anything like this before no absolutely. i I think that in that respect brian taylor executed something well with because i don't know in his interview he kept saying that he takes so long between projects because Mm. he wants to make things that are special and unique and different sure yeah i mean something special and unique and different was the sequel to a bad movie (laughs) to ghost rider Yeah. yeah I want to make something unique. Well, here, do you want to direct a sequel? <laughs> it's kind of counterintuitive, but sure. I mean, I guess it was unique from the first one because... Because it had none of the same <laughs> actors, none, none of, of the, the same, same plot. No, none of the same character <laughs> development that we saw in the first one. But anyway, Certainly I digress. Unique. Any other closing thoughts, Han, before we get into some more? No, awards? that was just a fun one. And it you was. can tell that Nick was having fun with it, too. And I, I always like the movies that you can tell that he is enjoying himself in. Yeah, absolutely. I don't, They're more fun to watch. I've started to dislike the movies where he's like, yeah, I really wanted to challenge myself by playing a straight-ahead cop. Because I feel like he just has to say that yeah, because he just he wants to has nothing else to say about it. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately. This one, this one you was couldn't fun. tell he's really in his element. Oh, he loves this weird shit. Yeah. He feels like he's a shaman, and that's why it's Nugo yeah. I'm surprised that this isn't more of like, like, I mean, it's not that old for it to become a cult classic, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. surprised that more people aren't talking about this one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I bet like some of the real zombie movie gurus know yeah. of this movie and, and would probably you know what it kind it? of reminded me of a little bit. We watched mm. that movie, The Babysitter on Netflix. That was Mick G. Mick G. Yeah. Yeah. It, it I feel did. like he drew maybe some inspiration from this. Yeah. One of them may have drew inspiration from the, from other. the other. Yeah. I don't I, know which one came out first. Me neither. I would recommend watching watching The Babysitter, especially if you like this movie, watch yeah, The Babysitter. Yeah. If you liked this movie, watch The Babysitter. And The Babysitter 2, I think, was equally as yeah. fun. Very good. Yeah. Really I think they're on Netflix. Yes. Cool. Well, Han, is it time for some Nicolas Cage awards? Um, yeah, for sure. Fantastic. First award is Best Supporting Actor. Selma Blair. Yeah. Delivered a really stellar performance. She was great across the board. Um, you know, it wasn't like Gina Gershon last week where it was like, eh, there were a few scenes that weren't well acted, but No, everything was really well well done. Yeah, no, I completely agree. She was great. I like her a lot. 
Uh, best dressed. Is it in the interview where he's wearing the cowboy hat and the Thanos rings? Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> no, in the movie. I mean, maybe it's the flashback when he's in his... Golfing attire? No, like when he's a young man. It's not actually him, it's though. It's not him, though. That's true. Yeah. Um, maybe it's him after he got blown up. Oh, because he's all like sort of bloodied and charred. Yeah. Okay. I can, I can see that. Yeah. I can see that. We're going to give it to that one. Sure. All right. <laughs> Worst Nicolas Cage scene. Maybe the scene where he's like sleeping at his desk. Yeah. 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 I was going to say either that or the popsicles. Like that didn't really do much for me. I know it was supposed to pri- provide like exposition, but it, it didn't really do much for me. Him saying... I'll fucking kill you with a straight face was, oh, was really yeah. like, chilling. Yeah. All right. Okay. So we'll, we'll give it to the work. Actually, also in that work scene, we see him. He sits up and he screams something, but there's music playing. We don't hear what he oh, screams. Oh, right. So that was disappointing. Yeah, absolutely. Doesn't he also say that he used to make 145K and then now he makes 45K? Like, yeah. why are you taking a 100K pay cut? I mean, I guess the job market, it's the economy, you know, you got to just make money. But like that, that is a pretty dramatic pay cut. Like, yeah, know your worth. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if he's in one of those professions that is like a computer algorithm does it in a second now. And so he's just, you know. His job is essentially obsolete that's what i'm thinking but it's not explained so that's why he watches porn all day at work i don't know i feel like i'd be working on something goodness (laughs) but eh, i don't want to call out anybody (laughs) yeah i guess yeah all right so we're gonna give it to the god sorry i just had this thought that we've all been working from home for so long that i'm sure the rate of people watching porn at work has skyrocketed sure it doesn't take long, you know? It's like no different from taking a smoke break. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is no admission of guilt. I'm just saying. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, the best Nicolas Cage scene. I mean... I mean, it's the pool the table, pool table scene. scene. <laughs> I'm going to give everything to the pool table scene. Yeah, there are some really great moments outside of the pool table scene, but it's the pool table scene. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the best scream. Is there anything in the scream that stands out to you? I mean, the hokey pokey. <sighs> no, I, I'm going to give that for something else, but maybe mouth tildo ass. <laughs> I don't know that he screams that, He though. doesn't? Yeah. Okay. What does he scream in the pool table scene? <laughs> Fucking grown-up room and fucking kids' room. Build a fucking family room. Grab the world by the balls and squeeze. <laughs> and then he's yelling about a million things about being old. He's like, I'm fat, I'm bald, I'm, mm. you know, yeah. out of shape or I something. I feel like we can give it to, like, that collection. That whole collection. Okay. Before the hokey pokey. Okay, everything leading up to the hokey Everything pokey. leading up to the hokey pokey. Which means that the most nouveau shamanic moment... Is it the hokey pokey? It is one hundred percent the hokey pokey. <laughs> he he drew inspiration for that scene from not liking the hokey pokey as a child. Yeah. What? How do you get? I I don't like asparagus, but like as a child or now. But how do I how do I get from I didn't like asparagus as a child to I'm going to act like a maniac fool in yeah. the scene that I'm about to perform? Yeah. If like n- where. <laughs> Where does the bridge, like, get built? <laughs> yeah, if Nicolas Cage were in your shoes, right? Mm-hmm. In, that he, in that he hated asparagus when he was growing up. Right. And the director said, draw on something that you hated growing up. 
and then he starts destroying a, ta- a pool table, he would probably scream, fucking asparagus! <laughs> and it'd make no sense. And then they'd be like, all right, let's just fucking go with it. Who knows? He might have yelled that. <laughs> and they just cut it. It's just on the on the floor of the, it's the, the cutting it's on room. on the floor. Yeah. I can't imagine what else is on the floor of M's I mean, cutting room for Nicolas Cage's career. <laughs> we remember that pivotal oh my god i know right but we we remember that pivotal scene in deadfall yeah fucking hangers (laughs) who's trying to kill you eddie fucking hangers because he like can't get his coat off the hanger (laughs) fucking hangers so he'd probably he probably did that he's like fucking broccoli as he's destroying a pool table and i'm like all right let's rebuild it try uh, try something else that makes more sense do you think he had to do that in one take I bet, yeah. yeah. At, at that mo- seems like a one-take situation. At most, like, three takes, I would think. And every time they showed Selma Blair, that was, like, like she said in her um, interview, like, that was genuine terror in her yeah. eyes because she's like, what the fuck is he doing? Yeah, I mean, they could because when he's destroying it, they could have made that pool table out of foam, you know, so that it's not, yeah, like, that like looks splintering. Convincing. Yeah, that's true. It was splintering. So, I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? It seemed pretty dangerous. Absolutely. Although, he always puts himself in danger. <gasps> Gotta sacrifice your body for the play. <laughs> okay, Han, you have the difficult task of figuring out where we're going to rank this one. I think it goes near the top. I agree with you. Where are you thinking near the top? I mean, I don't think it cracks top five. I doubt no. it cracks top ten. I know we've I'm said trying to previously... think of other movies that gave me like a similar feeling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Best of times. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I, I think I'm looking at the list here and I think movies that gave me a similar feeling. There's three in a row. Uh, maybe one less so than the others, but Kiss of Death, Con Air, and The Trust. Yeah. So I think it's around those, and just above those three is Raising Arizona, which, again, is it has a similar feel in that it's sort of a tongue-in-cheek yeah. movie. Wait, what was the one where he uh, revisited his character from... Oh. From Deadfall? From Deadfall. That where was, did we rank that? That was Arsenal. We ranked that down at number 29. So the movies okay, I mentioned... Yeah, where are these other ones? These ones are at 17, okay, 18, 19, yeah. around there. I, I like, yes. Okay. I wanted to make sure that that wasn't ranked <laughs> above or below, however you want to say it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really like. I really liked this. You can tell that Nick really liked mm-hmm. being in this. Mm-hmm. And I want to reward him for that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you hear that, Nick? We're rewarding you. So where along those lines, is it above some of those, in between some of those that I mentioned, below? Sorry, one more time. Say the order that the Con Air... Sure, yeah. So I started, I guess you could say, with uh, Raising Arizona at number 16, Kiss of Death at 17, Con Air at 18, and The Trust at 19. Kiss of Death. That is where he get he got super ripped. He bench presses a stripper. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He's, okay. a, he's a bit of a gangster and a murderer. I think between Raising Arizona and Kiss of Death. I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that. It does put it above Con Air, which I feel I like people okay. are going to be like, oh, but it's Con Air. But yeah, also, he but wasn't cagey I was going to say, he, the only, the cageyest thing that he did was wink at the camera. Yeah. He has that <laughs> classic look with the hair blowing, or yeah. the wind blowing through his hair. Yeah, exactly. All right, Han. So... Next week, we're watching another movie, of course, 
And Han, when we watched this movie, I think I had said to you, I wonder if this is the movie, or maybe last week's movie was the real kick in the ass that that Nick needed, because I feel like he's sort of found his niche now, right? He's in these pretty good, weird indie movies. Yeah, that's true. And I feel like from here on out, other than perhaps what you're about to say, I I feel like he has started making more movies like this. Yes, and that's what I was going to say, is that next week's movie, it has a 25 on Rotten Tomatoes, a 4.7 on IMDb. Mm. It's called The Humanity Bureau, and I didn't really look into it. Is that the one that's futuristic? It's based in the far distant future of 2030. Well, you also have to remember that these movies aren't filmed, like, consecutively. Right, right. Some might be filmed, like, a few years ago yeah it's still like i love movies that are like the distant future and it's only oh, 10 years okay. from now you know yeah <laughs> yeah so you that's gonna be next too week. far out i guess yeah yeah so that's gonna be next week anything else to go over before we get out of here well i was feeling great why did you have to bring me down like <laughs> that it's the name of the game man no, I think I'm all set. Anything else from you? No, I'm good. Can't wait for next week. Can't wait either. And just remember, we're always here for you through Nick and Thin. Thanks for listening, guys. Take care. Now, freak